ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا وسندنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله ارسله الله بالهدى ودين الحق ليظهره على الدين كله ولو كره الكافرون ولو كره المشركون ولو كره المنافقون اما بعد فقد قال الله عز وجل في كتابه الكريم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون وقال عز وجل في مقام اخر لقد جاءكم رسول من انفسكم عزيز عليه ما عنتم حريص حريص عليكم بالمؤمنين رؤوف رحيم فان تولوا فقل حسبي الله لا اله الا هو عليه توكلت وهو رب العرش العظيم وامر الله تعالى في كتابه الكريم بالاعتبار فقال جل وعلا فاعتبروا يا اولي الابصار وصدق الله العظيم all praises to allah and may his peace and blessings be upon his servant and messenger our master sayyidina muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam may the peace and blessings of allah ta'ala be upon him and upon his pure companions and upon his noble wives upon his noble companions and upon his pure wives and upon his mubarak uh, and blessed family and progeny and upon all of those who follow all of their way until the day of judgment. As a matter of course, because it's narrated by the Messenger of Allah وسلم, in one of his khutubat, this ayah is read in many Jumu'ah khutbas around the world weekly. O oh, you who believe, fear Allah Ta'ala, haqqatuqatihi, as he should be feared, as it is his right that he should be feared. Brothers and sisters, when the ayat of the Qur'an are read, even if you have heard them before, even if you know more about them than the one who is reciting them to you, even if you have legitimate questions about the sincerity of the person who is reading those ayat, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rather than for the sake of His creation, we stop and ponder and take heed. What is the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He should be feared? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاعْتَبِرُوا يَا أُولِي الْأَبِصَارِ Reponder, reflect, take a warning, O people of vision. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who is the one who created the heavens and the earth from nothing, who is the one that everything is in His control, not an instant, not a moment, not a frame from the entire creation through its time or its space, is he heedless of, or is at any time free of need of him, or is at any time happening in any way, shape, or form other than that which he desires for it. And so, like I'd mentioned in the first khutbah, that I had prepared in the line of khutbahs with regards to the Yom Qiyamah, I had prepared a khutbah for today as well. But even myself, I was overwhelmed by the ajaib and the wonders of the Qadr of Allah Ta'ala, the Divine Omnipotence, and the divine predestination that the man who was on top of the world 
They say that the President of the United States is the leader of the free world. And then on top of that, even amongst presidents, he was a man who seemed like no one is able to check his power. My point is not to say that he's a good person or a bad person or you should vote for him or you don't vote for him. It's really not my place to say and I'm not interested in talking about that right now. What I am interested in saying is that it hasn't passed or escaped the attention of anyone who understands that literally the man used to get away with whatever he wanted to, to the point where he himself would quip that if I murdered a person in broad daylight, I would get away with it. But nobody gets away with everything. In fact, nobody gets away with anything. On this side or on the other side, everyone is going to have to come to terms with what they did, what they said, at some point or another. The issue is this. All of us know something very simple. All of us know. Time moves forward automatically. You don't have the ability to hit pause on time. Whether you do something or you don't, it's going to move forward. Whether you want it to or you don't, it's going to move forward. Whether you do what you need to in order to prepare for what's in front of you or not, it's going to move forward and it will arrive at some sort of conclusion at some point or another. It will end. And this is something we ourselves lose sight of. But our forefathers before us and the ancient ones before them all understood that things are progressing towards some sort of end. And this is something, it's a wisdom that's been repeated over and over again. I mentioned there was a Nazam, actually, one of the Munshids used to sing, Rahimullah Tabaraka Ta'ala in the Majlis of our Shaykh. It was a, 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 a small poem in the Urdu language. The Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to recite poetry in his Majlis. He used to appreciate himself. He never said poetry himself, but he used to appreciate uh, if a, a righteous poet would say some good words, he would appreciate it. And so some of the companions used to recite poetry in his Majlis. This is something very strange, actually, I find. First, when I first heard it in other parts of the world, I found it strange. Now I find it strange, this is the only place in the world that I see that the masajid, the ulama and their gatherings, there's no recitation of poetry. So he says what? Very simple bait. It's not, it's not, going to, it's not Ghalib or uh, Allama Iqbal or any high poet. He says, Fir'auni or Pani, Khatam hui kahani, Bachone bhi chinlai, Bujahal ki chinlai, Bachone zindagani. Look, you know Pharaoh, you guys heard of Pharaoh before? He's like the archetypal bad guy of the Quran. And in fact, he's the archetypal bad guy of the Bible itself. There's no evil human being that's mentioned more than Fir'aun. Fir'aun is like, you know, the parallel of shaitan from the humans. He's the one who stood in front of everybody. He says, you know, I, 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 I am your Lord most high. He says, do I not possess thee? The, 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 the dominion over Misr. Misr is the word for Egypt. But now Egypt is like... A country. The word Misr in the Arabic language is the word for a metropolis, for a big city. Why? Because at some point or another itself becomes a metaphor for civilization itself. Because at some point or another it was what a person would think of when they thought of city, when they thought of state, when they thought of empire, when they thought of might. Do I not dominate Misr? And do, does not this river flow underneath my feet? Meaning by my command. A person can talk about the arrogance of Fir'aun to a very uh, uh, great extent and with a great amount of detail. The poet doesn't waste any time with that. What does he say? He says, look, Fir'aun, his armies, and the water. The story is done. 
That's the summary. If you have to summarize in, in what? In one sentence. Fir'aun and the water. He drowned in the sea. Didn't he drown in the sea? It's finished. All of that arrogance, all of that might, the palaces, the soldiers, the armies, the vulm, the killing, the fear, the awe, the respect, the reverence, the pomp, circumstance, all of it was drowned in water. Abu Jahl himself, who gave the Prophet so much difficulty, so much difficulty. It is a, it is a, a sign Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the ummah that he was killed at the battle of Badr. And the ones who killed him were not great warriors from amongst the companions radiallahu anhum. Rather, there are two, there are two uh, 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 young men from the Ansar, from, from the Ansar, from the people of Medina. They just heard that there's this Abu Jahl from Quraysh used to give our Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam a hard time. He's made our to-do list. They asked the, the, the elders from the Muhajirun, on the battlefield, point him out to us. They didn't even know who he was. Abu Jahl, it's narrated that he himself was somewhat puzzled. Who are these kids? Why are they come after me? Not necessarily because he's concerned for his safety. He's far more ignorant than that. Rather, he considers it beneath his dignity that the sons of farmers should kill him. In fact, they're the ones who mortally wound him. And the death blow is struck by Abdullah bin Mas'ud who, who is also not from Quraysh, he's not a nobleman from Quraysh, rather he was a herder. And Abu Jahl looks up at him and says, isn't there anyone better than you to like kill me? This is what? This is ignorance, right? A person is faced with their own mortality, with the end of their life, and they're still concerned about all of these trivial, like the, the death itself is not as important as who kills you. What is it? It's ignorance. And Allah Ta'ala, there's a ibrah, there's a ibrah, there's something to take heed from in all of these things. Which is what? No matter how high you're riding, if the end is bad, it's bad. And Allah Ta'ala shows people, Allah Ta'ala shows people by somebody's end, what their value is, what their qadr is with Him. We value a lot of things, and Allah values sometimes different things. Sometimes things we value are worthless in front of Allah Ta'ala, and sometimes things that are worthless in our eyes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala considers them to be of great value. Which valuation is more important? Ours or that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Which knowledge is more perfect? Ours or that of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And Allah knows best. This man, will he die from this sickness? Will he live? We're not pulling for harm to anybody. This is the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Ya bunayyi in qadarta an tusbiha he said, Anas bin Malik was a young boy. He said that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said to me, Oh my dear son, if you are able to wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night and you bear no ill will toward anyone, then do so. Ghish is the opposite of nasiha. Nasiha is that you should sincerely wish well for everybody, everyone. Ghish is the opposite. If you're able to wake up in the morning and you don't have this ghish, ill will toward anyone, you don't want anyone to fail. You want everyone to do as best as they can. Then do so. Then he said, oh my dear son, and know that that's my sunnah. And whoever 
loves my sunnah, that person has loved me. And the, whoever loves me, that person will be with me in Jannah. We don't wish ill to anybody. Inshallah, everybody recovers. One might say, well, Shaykh, you know, somebody, you know, may be a, a cause of great harm to the creation of Allah Ta'ala and maybe a cause of great evil in the world. We say, Inshallah, what, how does it harm you? Make dua Allah Ta'ala heal all of the sick. The sickness is not only in the body, it's also in the hearts, in the minds. Allah Ta'ala heal all of those sicknesses. For you to see that same Joe Biden and Donald Trump that were uh, yelling at each other like children, not even like children, like people from like old folks ward. Just down the street, just in Cleveland. For you to see both of them praying Jumu'ah. Sincerely. Stranger things have happened. It's not difficult. So this is not about him. But what is it? It's about Ibrah. It's about pondering, taking heed, taking a sign. Which is what? One of the tales of destruction that's in the Quran. In such a short surah, that it's taken by people as a nursery rhyme almost billah. That Allah Ta'ala tells the story in his book. Alam Did you not see what your Lord did with the companions of the elephant? That the uh, Yemeni client state of Ethiopia sent an army in the year that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was born to destroy the Kaaba for political reasons we don't have time to discuss right now. The army included elephants, a cavalry of elephants. They weren't sitting around watching Animal Planet. They'd never seen an elephant before. It's like a dinosaur to them. It's something that they heard about and imagined but never saw before. And it's truly, terror, it's truly terrifying. So this army, which is a huge army, and on top of it, there's a cavalry of elephants coming toward them. The elders of Quraysh, they had consulted with one another and decided that we have no, no ability to stand up to this army, so we will retreat to the mountains around Makkah Mukarramah until these people leave because we really don't have any other choice. No one can hang out over there for too long. There's nothing to eat, nothing to drink. There's no agriculture. Nothing can sustain, sustain them. They'll go, they'll cause problems, and then they'll leave. So much so that Abdul Muttalib, the grandfather of the Messenger of Allah وسلم, he actually met Abraha, the Abyssinian general, commander of this army. And he said, I just want to talk to you about one thing. What is it? He said, your soldiers, they, uh, you know, they caused me to lose one of my herds of camels, and I want to be compensated for it because I'm not a party to your dispute. And the, Abraha was like, uh, you know, he was astounded. He says, this is like your most sacred temple. We're about to trash it. All you care about is your camels? He says that the temple, the temple has a Lord, he'll take care of it. Part of it was trust in Allah Ta'ala. Undoubtedly, part of it is what? His own inability to do anything in, face, in the face of this army. So what's coming at them? Elephants. Elephants are very big. Amongst other things, it should not escape attention from someone, no matter how little their scholarship is, that an elephant is very big. And how did Allah Ta'ala deal with them? فَأَرْسَلَ عَلَيْهِمْ طَيْرًا تَرْمِيهِمْ بِحِجَارَةٍ مِّن سِجِّيلٍ He sent a flock of birds. What kind of birds? Is it a, a, an eagle? Is it a condor? Is it, is, it, is it a pterodon, you know, from like, you know, Jurassic Park times? What is it? It's none of those. There are some birds that are very big and extremely dangerous. The Mongols used to be able to train, they used to train eagles 
you guys will find this cool. They used to train eagles that on the battlefield they could point out to the eagle, uh, a person from the other army. And the eagle would fly really high up in the air in circles and just dive so fast at such a speed and then talon that person in the neck and then take off in the air again. That person wouldn't, wouldn't even know what hit him. Is it, is it a flock of those? No. It's like the little birds that like if you got hit by the windshield wiper on your, on your car, it'll probably die. And what are they, how are they, how are, how are they destroying that army? They're, they're throwing like little clay pellets at them. Does that sound dangerous? It's not even a rock. The ulama, they mentioned in the tafsir of this short surah, that the message Allah Ta'ala, one of the messages Allah Ta'ala gets across in this very small story is what? You want to fight, you want to fight with Allah? who created the heavens and the earth from nothing. Forget about that for a second. Why don't you fight with the birds? If you can, if you can deal with the birds, then like think about like, you know, if like in UFC or in boxing or whatever, I can't just say like, oh, I want to fight Habib today. No, you got to work your way up through the, through the ranks and show that you're worthy of the fight. People want to fight with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why don't you fight with the birds? Let's see, if you can get past the birds, then we can talk about who's like the next rung in the ladder. How did they fare against the birds? They were wasted like a field that has been plowed and the plants are dead and its stalks are withering and breaking in the, in the, in the heat and in the dryness. Just like, just like that field is wasted, laid to waste. That's how they were laid to waste. The irony of the whole thing is what? Is how insignificant the thing that destroyed them is. Now look, the leader of the free world the man who literally, the law can't even stop him from anything. The same sickness that destroyed the entire world and brought the entire world to a standstill, it's also brought him to a standstill. Yesterday, it's injecting chlorine and these things are overblown and we're going to have to suffer some losses for the sake of the economy. Now it's turned into, we're all going to get through this together, right? Together. There was no together yesterday. Together is today. And Alhamdulillah, we hope that he, this inshallah, this is his tune until the day Allah Ta'ala takes him. The Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said what? As-sa'idu man bi The fortunate one is the one who takes a lesson from other people's misfortunes. So instead of this khutbah being about, oh, ha, 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 look, someone else got sick. That's their problem. They'll have to deal with it. Think about your problem, me think about my problem, how are we going to deal with it? We also are obliged to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, instead of having a stiff neck filled with arrogance, that we should humble ourselves in front of the Lord Jalla wa'ala. That we should make tawbah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That we should repent to Allah ta'ala and change our ways. For the sake of the Lord, don't be people who are immune to benefit. Don't be people who are benefit-proof. That every sign of the Lord can come to you. And still you don't take heed. Still it doesn't have any effect. It doesn't change you. You don't shed a tear. You don't cry. This is something, we, you know, we were raised in America. I didn't, you know, I wasn't born with a beard. This is something that those people who are raised in America know. It's not considered manly in this culture to cry. It was very difficult to 
come to terms with this fact that it's, it's not actually a bad thing for a man to cry. That the greatest of men, the Prophet ﷺ, the Sahaba anhum, even the ancients, even people who have nothing to do with Islam. There's a, a person reads the Odyssey, there's a, a, a plea that Telemachus, Odysseus' son, makes in front of the chieftains of the Greeks in order to help him find his father, and he weeps in it. And it was a footnote I remember reading in the uh, Odyssey that they didn't consider it to be a sign of weakness or a sign of being effeminate that you cry. If the eye is not moved to tears, then at least the brain should know something is wrong. Don't come to me and confess in front of me. I'm not a Catholic priest. But if you know this, then think, how is it that I can move the eye to tears? So uh, it can be a sign for the heart that the heart is still alive. That when the heart repents, it's not just moving, prattling of the tongue and the lips, but it's a reality inside of the heart. That those tears, they wash away the evil and the black effect of sin from the heart. Whoever is unable to bring that forth, let them know you have some work to do. And the good news is you still have time. The Tayran Ababil are not bombarding you right now. You're not on a ventilator yet. Whatever the means is, one day it will happen to all of us. We know that. But take a sign. Don't be benefit proof. The, the Matan al-Akhdari, it's the book that they teach small children in the Maktab system in North Africa. And there are books like it in, in all parts of the Muslim world. Unfortunately, we have become satisfied and happy that our children should become doctors and lawyers and people of wealth and people uh, of means, despite the fact that they cannot recognize the letters of the Qur'an and they don't know how to read it properly. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us something better. If you're in that position, I'm in that position, you can, we can still learn. And if not, at least we can make some time and some space for our children to learn. The first book that was taught to the children of Maktab after them learning how to read and write. The Matan al-Akhdari, literally the contents of it have to do with what? How to make wudu, ghusl, tayammum, and how to pray. That's all. Very simple book. It has like a couple of paragraphs before teaching people how to make wudu, in which it talks about basic concepts of Islam. And so what does it say? It says, wala, wala, wala yajuzu lahu. And you tawbata. It's not permissible for the slave to delay their repentance. If you did something wrong, if I did something wrong, denying it doesn't make it go away. The fact that you hate feeling guilty, it doesn't make it go away. Embrace feeling guilty. Anyone who doesn't feel guilty, this is a sign of arrogance. Allah Ta'ala never says in his book, nor does the Prophet ever say that the believer is the one who never sins, or the believer is never the one who never makes a mistake. Don't confess in front of me, I'm not a Catholic priest. Don't put up a Facebook post, oh, I'm a horrible person. Keep it together in front of other people, but between you and the Lord, have enough humility to accept your mistakes. Denying them, not coming to terms with them, not acknowledging them, it's not going to help anybody, neither here nor on the, in, on the other side. There are people who hate the feeling of guilt so much, so much, that they will literally leave Islam, they will stop talking to their parents, they will stop talking to their spouses, they will stop talking to their family members, they will abandon their friends, just because they don't want to come face to face with guilt. And don't you know, this is one of the bravest things a person can do is admit their guilt. Don't you know Allah Ta'ala, His Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that He said, أَنَا عِنْدَ الْمُنْكَسِرَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ 
you will find me where you find the one whose heart is broken. The one who admits in front of the Lord his sins, that person, you will find Allah Ta'ala with them. It's a, a, an act of incredible bravery and an act of incredible nur and light and incredible faith and spiritual grace and effluence. Forget about what other people are suffering from. Before we suffer from what they suffer from, we also should take this opportunity to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا يَقُولُوا حَتَّى يَهْدِيَنِيَ اللَّهُ فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ عَلَامَاتِ الشَّقَاءِ And don't be one of the people who says, Oh, I'll repent when Allah guides me. This type of speech is what? It's a sign of wretchedness. It's a sign of being from the hellfire. I don't have health insurance. I suspect there are people here that don't. It's a problem in this country. We have a free clinic, mashallah, people come that don't have insurance. Imagine, even if I'm seen in the free clinic, I have to go and uh, pay like full price out of my pocket for a medicine. If there was a dispensary in this country that gave free medicine, forget about Parma and Cleveland. People would be coming from Akron, people would be coming from Youngstown, people would be coming from Pittsburgh and Detroit and Chicago to get medicine. Allah Ta'ala and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this tawbah gave you the medicine. It's delivered to your door and it's absolutely free. Can you imagine if a person had a sickness that will cause them great amounts of pain and perhaps death one day? And it's in a bottle. And someone came to their house and handed them the bottle. And they say, oh, inshallah, I'll take it when Allah wants me to take it. You say, this person is an idiot. Maybe a non-Muslim would say, you know, you need to like hang out with those Muslims a little bit less because they've warped your mind. It's not Islam or Muslims that have warped the mind, brothers and sisters. It's the nafs itself. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Not to waste this opportunity. And not to obsess over other people's misfortunes. And not to think about them except for in the amount that it will give us something to ponder and take heed from so that we can benefit ourselves. After that we wish Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give everybody a cure. And if He takes them, He takes them in a good way. And that He guide us and He guide others that which is best. وصلى الله تعالى على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين وقولوا قولي هذا واستغفروا الله لي ولكم لسائر المسلمين فاستغفروه انه هو الغفور الرحيم